Welcome to the Faith Forms Podcast, where we explore the question, what does it mean to be a Christian in the games industry? I'm your host, Brock Henderson. Ray Wade is a game designer and a programmer with over a decade of experience. He's worked on everything from indie games to AAA. He's been my friend for a long time, and he has a powerful story to tell. Hey, Ray, thanks for joining me on the first episode of the Faith Forms podcast. Happy to be here, Brock. I was thinking we've been friends for quite a a long time now. Do you remember when we first met? I do remember that we met at CGDC, and I believe it was like 12 years ago. Yeah. 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 A very long time. And I've really enjoyed knowing you do you remember what you were working on at that time the game that i was working on at the time was like an indie game called pixel sand yeah and it was basically kind of a a kickstarter thing that we got over to steam and got that green lit and so it was just quite the adventure and every year i'd bring it pretty much to cgdc and have people play test it and get some feedback there and and just kind of like design and iterate as I went. Nice. Now you kind of come from a design background, is that right? Yes, I've been I think it was like maybe early 2000s when I was working at Disneyland. I was there for like 17 years in Anaheim, California and left Disneyland so that I could go to the Art Institute in California with a major of game art and design. And I was like one of the the first design students there. So they really kind of had no idea what they were doing. But but I learned a lot about game design and was lucky enough to get a game project like right out of college. And so that really kind of set me up for being a designer. Yeah. Did they did they have industry people at the program or how was that set up? You know, it was amazing because I was in Santa Ana and my teachers were actually, they worked on World of Warcraft, Irvine. And so, so I learned like Maya animation and modeling from the guys that were literally creating World of Warcraft. Like, I think World of Warcraft at that time was like in beta or something like that. So so it was like really cool to have those kind of teachers. So some like VDNs then too? Well, because they had no idea what like, what they were going to teach for design. Uh At the end of the, at the end of the degree, they asked for us to do presentations of models that we created. So I did like, I, I literally did a 3d model of the Cologne cathedral (laughs) and a world war two submarine and a pirate ship. And, and so I graduated with like that kind of work. And then after I graduated, they were like, well, we don't really want them modeling and animating. So then the next class, that came through like had to do design documents and when p- 
people like would walk around and see their stuff. It was just like papers on a desk, you know? So the, uh, sadly enough, the Art Institute really never got it figured out because there were some shady things with the Art Institute. And I think they've closed their doors now. Kind of had a similar path. I thought my entrance into the games industry would be like maybe 3D animation modeling. I like character modeling. I found out pretty quickly that the animation was not for me, just the tedious keyframing and repetitive cycle. But yeah, I totally remember those days. So how did you get from the art side into more specifically like design? Well, you know, I'll tell you, it it stems back to when I was a child. Like my jam when I was a kid was Sesame Street and the Muppets. And I fell in love Jim Henson and his puppets. And I was one of those kids that was just a little weird. Like if I have a, a recurring theme that goes through this podcast is I'm just a little different, you know, <laughs> Felt a little awkward and weird, but it really has led me to amazing places. And so I would take socks and I would design puppets and like draw them out on paper. And I was like, I'm going to be a puppeteer. And Jim Henson passed away and broke my heart. And I was like, you know, I think what I loved was the story, the narrative. And so I was like, well, I want to be a filmmaker. And then I kind of just saw so many movies that were amazing. You know, Francis Ford Coppola, Scorsese, Spielberg, Lucas. Those are like my my idols when I was growing up. And then I was like, I'm just never going to be able to attain that. But I sure would love to do something like that. And, and so then uh, I got an Xbox and a, a, a subscription came with it. And I was you know, thumbing through the magazine and I was reading articles and I, and I, it was just talking about game development. And I was like, wait a second, this is interactive storytelling right here. Like games is narrative. And I was like, that's it. I want to get into that. And so I started to go to the Art Institute and a funny quick story. I was in my 30s and all the other students were pretty much just like late teens. And so I was kind of the old guy on the block. And my design teacher at the time said, hey, there are three things that are never going to happen in the video game industry. One of them is going to be female gamers. The second one is going to be educational games. And the third one is going to be Christian religious games. And it was he raw. And so he had, he had this really neat eyes for a story. He said, I am going to put you all up against one another. You're going to write a concept document for a game, and then you're going to pitch it to the class. And whoever wins first place gets this free DVD of DOS boot. And, <laughs> and so I pitched a game called Penitent Scallywags, which was a Christian idea and i won out of all the students and i was like that's right you little punks haha <laughs> the old guy got it and it gave me enough strength and inspiration to get a business partner and i decided that i wanted to create a christian video game and so the idea was i went to the school and i said hey can i make a class 
so that people can enroll in my class and then they can get extra credit and that kind of thing and become interns. And so I wanted to make a game demo. And so they said, sure. And so my partner and I, we got a loan and like got like 15 computers and put them all through my house and my garage. And every day for pretty much a, a quarter, the students would come over and model and animate and make music. And we made a demo wow. and was so successful. We were able to get like $250,000 investment money. And I thought I was on my way. Sadly, I learned about overhead and business. <laughs> yeah. And apparently if you hire people, you pay them. And we were, hope we, our goal was to like make a pitch deck and all this kind of stuff and shop it around Hollywood. Okay. And we found out that nobody in the early 2000s wanted to make an $8 million Christian Unreal video game. And the funding ran out and I was just like devastated, you know, because I was like, God, I thought, I thought you wanted me to make that kind of thing. But, but I, I still, you know, pushed on with school, graduated and then got a job pretty much immediately after that. So I'm going to circle back. I have a quick question. Your professor, was he just baiting the class or did he really believe that video games were like that narrow? Yes, I believe he felt that. His background was he made a lot of analog board games and he had a lot of great knowledge of game mechanics, but that was his belief, you know, back in the day. And, and so... You know, most of the stuff I was learning, I was like, okay, well, maybe that's true. But later I was like, none of that stuff is true, you know, and I, I challenged it a bit. So when you say when you won, right, isn't that the whole premise of your game was had some religious. Yeah. It, and that's another reason why I was like, wow, he said that wasn't going to work, but apparently, you know, he really liked it. And I felt very passionate about the idea and maybe even someday I still want to make that game. And, you know, maybe if we have another time or another day, we could talk about it on, on that. But I think, you know, maybe he was challenging and questioning his own design perspectives at that time, but he taught me a great deal about scope and scale and perspective and just the parameters of designing a game. And so I felt like I was very much more a designer than I ever was an artist because I was good at drawing stick figures and that kind of stuff. My art was not great, but I loved working with a team. I loved brainstorming. I loved coming up with creating stuff. Like one of the things that I absolutely adore about designing games is like, you create this wonderful thing or you're part of this team that's creating this beautiful, wonderful thing. And, and, you know, as you sculpt it and you're creating it and you, and you're loving it and you are ready to show it to somebody, you know, you, you walk into a big building, you know, a big room with a bunch of people and, and there's your baby, your love. And you're like, Oh, and you put it on the, this pedestal and then you hand out bats <laughs> and then okay swing away 
you know, and then they beat the daylights out of it. And you're like, and then you take it and be like, I still love you. Let's go back and try to make it to what they want, you know, kind of thing. But eventually it gets to somewhere to where you're like, wow, I had part of creating that or I created that. And, and that brings people joy or happiness and want, and they want to replay that, you know, that's, that was a, addicting for me. I loved it. Yeah. It's magic, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So where, where was your faith during this time? Like what were you, a, were you a Christian growing up or what was your story there? Did you ever see the sound of music oh. with the trap family? That's the family I was in. My dad was a Lutheran pastor and my mom was the choir director and they would enlist me. I I was a young Jesus at some point, you know, in a skit, in a play, and and they had me singing, and it really was kind of a show, and I'd have to go to both services and Sunday school and the whole nine yards. So basically, Sunday was, the whole day was pretty much taken up, and that's what I knew, you know, and so... Even though I was raised in that, I didn't necessarily have all the answers per se. And so I questioned a lot of my faith, but I did believe in God for sure. And then when I got into the Art Institute and I came up with this great Christian video game kind of thing, I was like, all right, well, I think God wants me to do this. And through the making of the the demo and the game, there were moments of faith and certain passages in the Bible to where I'd be like, what does that mean? Like, is that something, you know, I have questions that I go to my dad and it was a really wonderful time of discovery for me and of challenge, but I really felt like I am on the path that God wants me on exactly. Like I'm exactly where I need to be. And then the funding ran out and I was like, so angry at God. If you've ever seen the movie Forrest Gump where Forrest and Lieutenant Dan are on the the shrimp boat and the storm is happening and Lieutenant's at the top of the mast and he's like shaking his fist at God like, you will never sink this boat. You know, it's you and me, God. I felt like that's where I was. And after the funding ran out and... I was like, what was the whole purpose? I don't understand. You know, I pretty much abandoned God at that point. And I was like, you know what? Where were you? And so I went away from God for a very long time, but still believed in God, but didn't have a personal relationship with him. And I think people can understand how awkward and odd we feel to where it's like, God, you know, I want, where were you? Like, I needed you. So there were, there was a dark period of time, you know, in my life where I just kind of was like, don't know if there's a destiny. I don't know if God is following my path or with me. And, and it was a a dark time. Yeah. I'm kind of going through a valley season now as you as you know and uh, there are days where it's just just really dry right it's it's i don't know if i can pray i don't know and when i do pray it feels like it's the same thing over and over again and 
it's, 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 it's hard, right? Like you feel like you have a, a vision or something that God gave you and you're just trying to steward it and carry it. And it just, it just falls apart. What do you do when it falls apart? Yeah. The journey for me is like, it's like a sine wave. It's like a peak in the valley. You know, there's going to be stronger days and there's going to be other days. But when I was going through those dark days, I had a lot of bad things that had kind of happened for me as well. And, and I had started to lean on alcohol as a crutch and it became a problem for me. I started to isolate and push my friends and my family away. And it kind of consumed me. And I was in a very dark spot in my life. I was a functioning alcoholic and I was struggling. And I got to the point to where I was following somebody on TikTok and Facebook. <laughs> and a comedian, her name's Laura Cleary. And she was so funny. And she introduced her husband who had six years of sobriety and he told his story and it was crazy. Like sometimes you hear these tales and you're like, that's unbelievable. That can't be. But you know, he like woke up one day and he had no idea what even what country he was in. He was badly beaten and bruised in a gutter and somebody just took him in and took two weeks to take care of him. But he found sobriety and was six years. And I was like, if he can do it, I can do it. And I was like, it's time. And, and in AA, they call it hitting my bottom. And when I finally went to a meeting, it was right at the beginning of the pandemic. So I had to do a Zoom call. <laughs> and... They welcomed me with open arms and they, you know, pretty much took me in and said, you don't ever have to drink again for the rest of your life. And they said, but we've got a couple of rules. And the first rule was welcome to God. Pretty much. It was like, you need to have a higher power. And I was like, God, you brought me back in. Like. <laughs> Like, touche, God, you are clever. And I surrendered. I basically was like, all right, God, I surrender and I give my life to you. And that turnaround for my life has every step forward in my in my sobriety. I'm two and a half years sober now. And Congratulations. Thank you. Every day is a walk with God and a walk in faith and a miracle really. And I've, I literally have seen miracles happen in the program, you know, because I go to meetings and we talk to one another and we talk about our faith and our higher power. And I have a sponsee that basically calls me every day and checks in with me and he just made a year sober. And so there's a really great connection, you know, to God that happened for me to where even in AA, we've got these dark times that we struggle with and we're kind of like, how are we getting through, you know, but it, we're all, I think as human beings, very awkward and we feel, you know, sad and depressed and a lot of emotions and where am I going and, and how am I doing this? And 
the answer is with him. And, and the reminder is, is he's walking with us. And even though we've got those dark days, he's there. And we're here to remind one another, feel like discipleship, fellowship is huge, especially in our game community. We need to support one another and fill each other with faith and remind one another and be like, you know, it is tough, but it's not always going to be tough. And we're, we're going to get through this and we can do this together kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you mentioned you were a functioning alcoholic. You stayed in games, right? You kept making games and done stuff in AAA. Yes. Yeah. I, I have been blessed to make a lot of really cool games. Yeah. I, I've, uh, I, I've worked on a Disney Pixar Cars Racerama game, a SpongeBob SquarePants game with Disney Interactive, did a little bit of a Club Penguin thing and with Call of Duty and also a church in Northern California called Bethel University or Bethel Church. So I'm working right now also as a part-time coding mentor and for back-end framework C-sharp and web foundations. And so I'm really just trying to like keep up on my knowledge of things because even though I'm never going to be good in art, I love design and I and I'm learning to love programming and I want to keep on making games. Yeah. Tell me about that. If done a lot of work in design and then I remember you told me that you went back to school to learn some programming. What was the motivation behind that? Well, the uh, the Steam game that I was working on for like five years, I had a friend that was living in Washington near me. And so we were like, hey, we're not going to, you know, pay, get paid for this, but we'd love to make this indie game. And then eventually we could put it on Steam. So that was the Pixel Sand game. And, you know, he was the programmer, I was the designer, and his sister was the artist. And we just did that together, and we created a good friendship. But at a certain point, he was like, hey, I'd love to try to teach you programming, and tried a little bit, and then he goes, well, you know, I don't really think that you can be a programmer. It it takes a special type of person to program, and I think your strengths are in design. And I was like, okay. And then right just before we were going to submit our game and it was going to go on to Steam, he sent me a text and was like, hey, I've deleted all of your video game levels and I've decided that I want to go a more funnier type of route. So I'm going to make some of my own levels and then submit it. But I'm going to keep you in the credits for game designer since you actually helped build the engine and and that kind of thing and i had to pray about it really hard because you know we were business partners on paper and i just said all right after i prayed about it i was like i'm not gonna sue him i'm not gonna pursue anything really good luck to him and that game, and I had to let it go. But the point that I got out of it was like, I couldn't do anything because I didn't know how to program. Like, like 
I wouldn't have been able to take any of the, the open source code or anything like that and manipulate it. But going back to school, I was like, I want to learn how to program so I can be a better game developer. And it would help me be a little bit more rounded if I knew like C Sharp or C++ or some scripting. And yes. so... So I went back to school and I loved it. Like I fell in love with programming. It's so neat and learning the languages. And after a while, I was like, you know what? This is amazing. And I talked to one of my teachers at school about somebody told me that I could never program or shouldn't. And that teacher was like, no, 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 that's absolutely incorrect information. Anybody can program as long as they are dedicated and you know, will keep at it and work really hard, you can learn that, that language. Yeah. And I believe that. I believe that, you know, whatever you put your mind to and dedicate yourself to, you can do. Yeah, I have a kind of a similar story where I was basically forced to learn how to program with my friends and in their computer science degrees and stuff didn't, I could never get them to make games. So it just eventually became a point where I just had to learn to do it. And I'm so thankful I did. So one of the big questions that I'm interested in is, what does it mean to be a Christian in the game industry? And I'd be curious to hear what it means to you and how your faith has affected your journey and daily life as a game developer. So there is... At Bethel Tech, that's where I'm a coding mentor. There's probably about 15 of us. And every Tuesday evening, we all meet up and we call in Mafia Mentors. Okay. And, and what we do is we meet up and we talk to one another, how our progress is, and then we pray for one another and for whatever is going on in our day. And so today is Thursday, but I met with them on Tuesday and I said, Hey, you know, um, I was talking to my friend Brock and he, you know, wants to do like kind of a podcast with me. And I said, I'm going to be talking to him about my experience, with the game industry and games and God making games and also a Christian making secular games kind of thing. And what they kind of talked about a little bit was, yeah, isn't it a powerful position that we're in that we could be Christian making Christian games, but most of us are Christians making secular games and we can bring to that medium. Honestly, it's not like I'm trying to sneak in crosses here and there, but I do believe that my faith and my belief positivity should and could hopefully have people want to engage me and help in the journey. I think it's a very interesting world right now because we've got this cancel culture and I don't know if anybody's like if Christians, but I have in, in my, my time where it's kind of like, you know, if I talk about God or if I talk about my faith, I'm afraid like I might get fired, mm -hmm. you know, for it. Because I I do believe that there are some games out there that would be like, we don't want any of that. Like, do not speak. But 
but I do believe that the way that I want to work and present myself is that I'm a, a good, honest Christian. And if I have any kind of dialogues with anyone that, you know, leads to, hey, how are you doing? How can I help you? How's your life going? And do you, do you want to talk, you know, in a personal situation? Great. If there's ethical issues that get brought up in work, I want to stand up and be like, I am not comfortable with that. I don't, I would not like to pursue that and, and try to be as communicative as possible. And so that that's, it's, I think it's, I don't know. Do you feel like that's a struggle at all for you in the past? I've mostly worked with indie teams, so not really. A lot of us have been believers. The ones that haven't been believers, we've lived authentically around each other. So, and I'd always pray like crazy for them and stuff. So I think it's probably been a lot easier. I haven't worked in big companies. So if I could turn the conversation and flip it to you. I think games for me is, is my mission field and it's what I want to spend the rest of my life on. And there's a whole bunch that can continue to be mined. One thing that as I thought about it and been writing about it is just this idea of, of love and developing games through the lens of love. The Bible talks about how as Christians, we're supposed to be marked by our love. And that's what we see with God. So if we frame everything in that, in that lens of love, of, of loving your neighbor as yourself, you have all these different focal links where you're loving the player and the product that we're designing. We're loving the people in the industry. We're loving our team. You know, and those, I think, continue to apply down to a fine-grained detail, such as the way we write code. If I write code that tells the truth, and it's easy for my teammates to, to understand if they ever need to modify it. That's a way to love them. So that's kind of what I've been thinking about lately. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will tell you, I have had some experience working with teams that will actually take a little bit of time out of their day or out of their week, pray and sing and just kind of talk about God. And I am in love with that. I absolutely wish that I could do that from here on out until my retirement happens. Finding like-minded people that want to celebrate and love God and pray together and break, go team, you know, and then get back to it and work in that environment is ideal for me. Ray, thank you so much for joining me today. Is there anything you want to plug before we go? You want to talk about it's like game or anything which you're doing now? Or? Well, you know, it's pretty amazing. God is good. And I feel like 2022 was a rough patch for a lot of us. And I wouldn't say that we're out of the woods, but I really do feel like 2023 is going to yield some bountiful times and events for us. And, you know, Pixelite Games, we're, we're just finishing polishing a demo 
that we're going to be shopping around and pitching. And if we could do that, then I'm hoping that we'll be able to make our game. And then it would just be go time and we'd probably spend, a, you know, like two years making that game and, and having a team and 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 having our own company is actually pretty amazing. So I don't know if it's gonna happen or not, but there are things that are already in the process and rolling for us that, and we're talking with people and it's exciting times. If I had to say anything at the end of this podcast, it would be pursue your dreams. And if you pursued them for a long time and you've been discouraged, well, it's okay. Take a little rest and then get back into it and hit the ground running because God is there and he is with us and he wants to us to succeed. So keep on trying. Amen. Thanks. Yeah. yeah thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it, bro. Hey, this is Brock. Thank you for listening to the first episode of the Faith Forms podcast. If you want more content like this first episode, I need your help. We don't have any sponsors and we don't run any ads. So my only ask is that you would subscribe to the Faith Forums podcast and take a second to rate us. It would mean the world to me. Thank you and God bless.